0: Radio Misfits Podcast Network.
1: From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California. Welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week.
2: Kind of Quiet.
3: <laughs> it's,
4: it's actually not. If I'm listening to it in the headphones. It's actually the the fizz was really good.
2: Soft pour. Yeah. A, well, you know, maybe it's these glasses. <laughs> uh, no, I just I wish I would have caught the pop at the beginning. Oh uh, yeah, it had a nice pop. It, it was, <laughs> untraditionally sounding traditional a <laughs> fine moose Alright, well
4: welcome to the winemakers to fine uh, This is Brian Casey, I'm sitting out back of 16600 uh, Tasting House with Sam Katuri And we have Joel Burton House So anyone that was
2: listening to last week's show? Uh, is that right? N- no, because no, there's a couple in between, right? We got, okay. we got the Kansler out right, now Right, uh, right No, will be Friday we will be right. Friday And so it was two weeks ago yeah. when we had the return of the Hawk The Hawk wak, Waka Waka Hawk Waka Waka Right. And, and basically, basically, Joe Burt called our bluff and called us up and was like, Well, you're going to drink it on the show. You might as well have me on to talk about it, right? Yeah,
4: because we had tried the Las Horas and, and we were um, trying a few different roses that day. And I remember um, Jasmine and I and, and Isabel really liked the, um, the rose that I had picked up at Miracle Plum. And so I don't know how. how uh, w- welcome to the show, first of all. And Glad and to be here. And how are we fortunate enough to get you actually in person? Um, I'm a local, so um, I'm a local as of like
0: two years ago. So, And I've been listening to a show, and um, and I was listening actually to the one with um, Scott per- Kirkpatrick. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ma- Mountain Tides. Yeah, Mountain Tides. Uh, those wines are really awesome, and um, I'm going to be working with... Um, with Petit Syrah this year. So I was getting kind of some pointers. It's a great podcast because I'm able to, uh, you're actually can get into the nitty gritty of, of uh, what a winemaker does. Right. Yeah, so I thought that that was really cool. I got some good ideas from it. And also Blair Guthrie also talked about Petit Syrah quite a bit,
3: so that's oh, yeah.
4: pretty cool. So. And um, now, now tell us a little bit about your label and first of all, we were pronouncing it Las Jaras, Las Haras, well, Las you know, Yaras. It's
1: one of those
2: things where, you, you know, you see it on Instagram, right? And you don't know. Right. Instagram, as I said, doesn't it doesn't come with pronunciation guides. It needs to, like, a translate for you. But I guess right. it makes sense. It just looks like Spanish. Yeah. But it's maybe not actually. It's more Mexican is what you're saying?
0: Yeah. Well, um, what we wanted to do when we uh, came up with a name is make... Um, uh, it was really difficult for us to come up with a... With an idea um we certainly didn't want to make it unpronounceable but we kind of did <laughs> but um
2: we well, want to s- tell you from experience the harder <laughs> it is to say the winery name the more people remember it i think i hope <laughs> Sixteen six hundred word then number yeah <laughs> right.
0: so um we wanted something that ev- evoked california and old california so um and um this isn't, isn't really a short story, but um, um, my family—they're a bunch of um, organic table grape farmers down in the Central Valley—and um, I would go there and work for um, for the summers. And um, things that the workers would leave behind are like pornography and lotteria. <laughs> so I saw a lotteria, and um, it's all, these, this all these—this is kind of like um, it's like Mexican bingo. And it's also used as tarot. But each, uh, there's all these iconic pictures that are on there. And um, I had had that in my box of stuff all growing up and looked at it from time to time and thought it would be some something of that iconography would be cool for like a band name or something when I was playing in bands and stuff. But then I remembered that and I got into the wine industry and we were looking at... Um, Looking for a name to uh, to call this brand, and so I started going through all of the uh, the different um, cards, and the one for Las Horas is interesting. Um, so it's two arrows, and they're they're tied with a bow, and um, the kind of the um, what it means, Las Haras means tightly bound. And um, the idea kind of is the if the bow wasn't there, the arrows would be flying. So on our label, we just put the arrows with no bow because the wines are full of energy and they're it's like they're in release. So um, we try to make wines that are really full of energy, very expressive, and um, so I think it's pr- fitting for us.
2: So let's let's um, fill in the the mm-hmm. we um, ah. because you know this is when. We talked about Las Harris a couple weeks ago. It was in the context of uh, the two celebrity rosés of 2019. Right. One being, um, and I actually am imagining, not really knowing him, but with your business partner, who I'll let you announce, uh, thinks this comparison is probably hilarious. Um, the John Bon Jovi mm-hmm. Hamptons Water, yeah, and then the the Los Harris, which is also has a a celebrity. Um, partner right yeah so, I'll, I'll you, I mean <laughs> yeah so um, it's not it's, it's not so, John Bon Jovi <laughs> so this this uh
0: this label is a is a um partnership between uh Eric Wareheim and myself so Eric and I um we've been friends for a long time and uh we have several sets of mutual friends uh, our uh, some of his really good friends and our, my good friends were renting a house in Malibu for a couple of years. And so um, that's where I met him. We'd uh, met on the beach and we talked wine and food. He was, um,
4: How romantic. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's a big foodie. And um, what's interesting, I, I mean, L.A. has changed so much. I mean, you know, when, you, when I used to go visit my friends down in L.A. like 10, 15 years ago, everybody's drinking cocktails with dinner. Things have really changed um, with uh, it being such a great place for uh, having such a great wine scene and everything now. Well, it's, it's like so. also one
2: of the hottest sort of food restaurant scenes in the in, exactly. in the country right now. Yeah. Everybody wants to go and open a restaurant in L.A. Yeah,
0: exactly. And like, um, so it's kind of uh, the wine culture back then was was not super strong, and um, I was showing um, him a lot of stuff that I was into, and so. Um, um, we kept on talking wine over the years, and then, uh, he had this idea of making a wine called Sweetberry Wine that he could bring on tour and sell in the merch booth. <laughs> Is that even legal? <laughs> it's not legal. Okay. <laughs> it's not legal. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so- but that doesn't really well, stop people in Broke the way. news that, yeah, I don't think you could really do that, but, uh, um, it might be fun to actually do that wine for real and do it really small. And,
4: um, wait, and is this before or after the John C. Riley? This is after. Okay. So do you want to explain to people what that reference is?
0: So you guys should, uh, YouTube, um, uh, Tim and Eric. Awesome show. Good job. Steve Brule, um, B R U L E. And, um, you just got to watch it. It's a, it's a very iconic, uh, wine comedy bit you wine's, wine's usually not that funny but uh they did a good job of that so
2: it i mean the steve brule I, i'm a fan the steve brule character in general um and i was yeah the, it, the sweet berry wine one is hilarious actually the one where he's like eating dumpster shrimp is <laughs> maybe even funnier um that's Hey, but, but selling it, this in the merch booth—what a great idea! Too bad it's right. not legal.
4: And you should say Eric is a, a professional comedian, right? Yeah, does stand I, I would say and,
0: he's really a comedian. He's more of a director, but he also mm-hmm. does acting and he puts a lot of funny comp uh, content out there. But he's not like somebody who tells jokes. Right. Um, he's
2: just kind of like a funny dude. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, he's um, he's he's got a um, he's he does a lot of different projects. Um, um, the Tim and Eric awesome show is, um, is really amazingly funny and has its own aesthetic and the whole channel five thing, which is, um, which is, uh, kind of a t- TV show, um, that they have it, It's, um, based on a public access TV kind of right. like you'd see, would have seen in like the nineties or something
4: or even earlier. Yeah,
3: even earlier. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
4: exactly. Yeah. So um, so when he come, when he approaches you though wh- what are you doing at the time where are you working? So
0: I was working for um, I'd worked all over the um, Napa Valley um, and and uh, Sonoma for the better part of a decade I guess it was like uh, I, I I got out of school and started working in the valley in 2003. Um, at the time I was working for. Um, for Domaine Chandon as their still winemaker. And um, um, I had been working a lot with uh, Carignan for some... Um, We'd been using it, playing it around, playing around with it as a variety for blending. And um, I thought this would be a great variety to use for the sweetberry wine because it's huh. like big it's and juicy big and, and, and... Yeah, and it's, the su- I mean, it is the,
2: it's the sweet... It's the Carignan is
0: totally the sweet berry wine. <laughs> totally. So it's it's does it's not not really green tasting. It's really got good fruit and it's um it's delicious. It has a lot of appeal. So I was sending him and um, um I was sending him samples to L.A. for him to taste with John C. Riley to talk uh, talk about what where this wine should land. And uh, John C. Riley's a, a um, a big wine lover as well, so um, uh, thought that um, Carignan would work. The so the f- the first vintage that we made together, we actually couldn't get any Carignan.
2: <laughs> why? Why? Why not?
0: Because it was 2015, which was uh, yeah, there was
2: just no Carignan in 20. Or no anything in 2015. Yeah,
0: 2015. Like um, yields were maybe half of what people were expecting, and there's a huge demand. Um, so we got. Um, bumped off our uh, Carignan supply, and so in 2015, we only made Cabernet from um, Oakshade Ranch, Sonoma Mountain, near where you are. Yeah, Yeah, so, um, and we still make uh, wine from that. In 2016, we made um, we brought in Cabernet and Carignan. We made Carignan as um, as a sparkling wine, as a rosé, and as a red wine. Um
2: and it was really small Brian's need- diving into the wine here. <laughs> Joel brought this basically is this the whole or at least what's the whole lineup or is this just Well, no. This
4: one, is, this one is sold out. So oh, this then. is what... <laughs>
2: this is the one I
4: specifically asked for. Right. I brought you about half the wines. I brought little bit
0: of yeah, it's one of those things. Like we thought we we're gonna only do a few wines, but we kept on,
4: keep on uh, adding more wines. Well, to, that's what to I want to ask about. So, <laughs> so, so you guys decide you're gonna do this sweet berry wine. At what point does it turn into? Let's continue this journey and just start doing other varietals and other fun projects. Well, we when we first launched so 2016
0: vintage, where we had Carignan, that was the first vintage we make a uh, sweet berry wine. Um, we. Uh, um, so we started really small because when we started this project, Eric, no, no one really knew who Eric was, and then uh, there he pre Pre-ma- came...
2: pre master of none. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. So he um, was very niche, as well. Um, he wasn't like a um, some. He wasn't as big a. Uh, um, public figure as he was back then. He wasn't bon jo- John Bon Jovi. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so we we started off our first vintage, 100 cases. Our second um, was uh, 750 cases. Was but like...
4: for that first wine, who who did you find that your customers were?
0: We didn't know, and so we're like, let's start really small because um, the last thing we want to do is get stuck with a bunch of wine that we can't sell. that you're just going to have to drink. And then we went to launch, and it sold out, like, instantly. So um, we're like, okay, we need to make more wine. So then we decided to uh, uh, um, branch out and add some more wines to um, what we were doing. So 2017, um, we made a significant increase, and then... um, pretty much doing the same wines. We added uh, 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 the Glue Glue in um, in, uh, in 2017.
4: Which is spelled G-L-O-U, right? Because yeah. I, I kept calling it Glau-Glau. Glau-Glau. Right. So
2: glue glue, glue glue is sort of a sector of the natural wine world, right? It's like the basically chuggable French wine, light, sort of light-bodied... Yeah. Well, it just—it
0: just means uh, wine you can chug from a bottle. It's like the right. sound the wine—the wine makes when you chug from the bottle. So, um,
2: bloop, bloop, it, bloop. bloop. <laughs> oh, is, seriously, is yeah. that what it is? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's on a—it's French on a monopaté. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: So, um, um, we made a Charbono glue, glue in 2017. It was our first time making Charbono. Um, when did you? Where did you find
2: the Charbonneau? This
0: is from Gary Venturi's vineyard up in Calpella, okay. in um, in uh, Ukiah Valley, in the northern part of Ukiah Valley, and um, so so. Uh, Hello FedEx um, man!
2: Wait, wait, this is you know live here in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we got trucks, we got <laughs> crows, we got landscapers, uh, landscapers. <laughs> this is this is n- natural. The natural podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's raw raw podcasting. <laughs> So uh,
0: the way we, the reason we got this charbono is because um, um, there was big fires in 2017. The person who was supposed to be getting that charbono um, punted on it because he was uh, afraid of having smoke taint problems. Uh, uh, one way to make a wine without smoke taint issues is to do it carbonic and um, so we're like, let's do carbonic um, charbono. So we did for 2017. Our, our glue glue was um, carbonic sans souff, charbono. And um, it's, uh, I, didn't, didn't, I didn't really have an experience with charbono. It doesn't really make a really right. light wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it was lightish. But in 2018, we decided to um, uh, make glue glue like really chuggable. And so that's, wait, how do you do that? So it's uh, <laughs> it's made from Zin and um, Carignan and Val and um, and a little Charbono, and it's wow. um, mostly carbonic and it's really really light, really really fresh.
2: Right. So Brian is uh, revisiting this rosé. Is that where I should go next? I'm gonna be it. Yes, okay. um, so I love first smelling it. I love to our,
4: these. Yeah. We
0: first had our um, spark- our sparkling wine, which is we called yeah,
2: that, was, that was nice. Was definitely when you said sort of that soft mousse, it was really yeah. tiny bubbles. Yeah, the- so
0: what we decided to do Hello, everyone. <laughs> uh, for that wine is um, we wanted it to be a full-on party wine. Mm-hmm. And one thing about a good party wine is that it needs to be f- fresh, consistent, bubbly, delicious. If it was, like, somewhat flat and... And sweet, that would be um, that would make us want to cry and not yeah. want to party. So on this wine, we we developed a um, a method we call method untraditionnel, which is uh, <laughs> perfect. We uh, I really think it's um, a bit um, obscene to add sugar to wine. So this is like a sparkling wine if you were not to add sugar to it. We stopped the original fermentation with about 27 grams of sugar in it Um, we well we wanted to stop at 23 and a half but we stopped it uh, with a bit too much Um, so uh, so then it uh, we um, cold stabilize it and then we racked pitch a yeast and put it in the bottle for the uh, secondary fermentation in the bottle and the reason why we cold stabilize is because if you have tartrate crystals in the bottle And it's a high pressure wine like we intend. Um, It will, um, when you disgorge it, it's gonna gush. Yeah. So um, you're gonna lose half the bottle. Right, right. And um, And make a mess on your ceiling. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So um, uh, it was some trial and error to get it right, but um, this uh, 2017, the 2016 is tasting great. It's it's a little bit, it's not as fresh tasting as this 2017. 2017 is just as um, is, uh, is a no-brainer for me. It's like just hits all those buttons I want for a sparkling wine. Yeah.
2: And what are the what's the varietals in
0: there? It's uh, 100% old vine Carignan. Really? Wow. <laughs> which um, you you probably wouldn't think of Carignan as being a good sparkling wine variety, but it's got it's not green. It's got big red fruit um, picked at lower uh, lower bricks, and it's got. Um, high acidity right? so it's uh, probably got a little bit too high of acidity if you're going to make traditional method because in traditional method since you're adding sugar you add um, a point and a half in alcohol so you'd probably pick it at like 18 which would be way too um, zippy right for carrying on so that we pick this at like 20
2: interesting so it's slightly riper than yeah uh,
0: and since it's riper, you don't have to do a dosage and all that other BS.
2: Right. So, I mean, you would call this? Would you call this zero dosage? Or, I mean, this you, is you've a, made a, it's method untraditional.
0: We call it like um, I guess uh, brute nature. So it's right. um, so brute nature is is no um, no sugar added, and the fermentation just goes until it ends.
2: Right. Right. It, it's delicious. Yeah. Canyon. It's, How many yeah. sparkling canyons? exist on well, planet
4: earth. You don't understand being a wine buyer for the girl in the fig. How many times I was on the search for sparkling wine from Rhone varietals <laughs> right. and was some once in a while would find a Syrah, but they were typically kind of like dusty and <laughs> not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. I wish, um, yeah, I wish this was around yeah. at that point. You don't,
2: not your problem anymore. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it's not Jonathan Rupert's problem because he's, uh, he's had a baby and he's out right now. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Oh, well, congratulations, congratulations to the, Mr. Rupert. Uh, Zach was showing off pictures last night. Okay. So he's, he's home. Okay. He's home on, on paternity. Well, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. well, let's talk about this rosé because this is what I
4: specifically is, asked you to bring. This, because w- this why was, we're here. why, no, w- why we're gathered the, here today. This was the <laughs> impetus for for when I when I pulled the wine at uh, Miracle Plum. Shout out to uh, Miracle Plum in Santa Rosa. Is that I had seen this bottle all over Instagram, and I've told you guys it looks like a like you ran over a clown in the street at
2: that, <laughs> that label. Um, they call it a, like a gradient, I think, is this, right? It's an uh, uh, insane clown posse wine. So. <laughs> yeah, I see. Uh, it
4: looks like if wavy gravy. <laughs> official wine shit. of Juggalos. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's it's incredible. Like, And, and I want to talk about your labels, mm-hmm. but but for some reason this wine really hit home with people over the summer. I, it's It was like the one that I kept seeing on Instagram accounts. Um, yeah, so this is
0: a wine. Um, Eric w- is really into these... Um, carbonic co-ferment wines or these co-ferment wines in general like uh one that we uh drink a lot is uh faints by evan lewandowski wines and so this kind of um this kind of wine had had intrigued me and uh, we decided we were going to do it so i had tried to find the appropriate vineyard to do this um my friend has this vineyard near the um, southern gate of yosemite in um the hills foothills of Madeira. whoa i'm like this would be perfect um it's all Rhone varieties um and um i'm not too keen on Rhone whites so i'd wanted to be using use this vineyard and um i figured this would be a good way to make a to be able to utilize the fruit from that vineyard so it's this this wine is made from three-fifths white grapes and two-fifths red grapes, co-fermented carbonically.
4: Yeah, you've got uh, 22%, 22% Moved, uh, 21% Roussan, 21% Pickpool, and then 18% Grenache Blanc, 18% Grenache Noir. Yeah. Very interesting. Hmm.
0: Yeah, so these, um, and actually, um, you guys, when you tasted the, the our rosé, our straight-up rosé the other day, um, you guys were intrigued by the, the varietal makeup. The varietal makeup right. was a little bit odd because we put some super bloom in our regular rosé to um, to tweak the aromas. Because the aromas were very white zinny, mm-hmm. so we added a little bit of super bloom to that wine to give it some... Hey, so
2: the super aroma. bloom was what we had. Is that what this is? That's what this is. Okay.
4: Yeah, we we weren't drinking the Superbloom because when I went to Miracle Plum, they only had their they had the other the rose, rose, but this has been sold out, I guess, for a while and even on their website is not available. So this wine that we're drinking doesn't
2: exist. Correct. It Anymore.
0: exists <laughs> but um It exists in, in our glass. I have a couple I have a big beer case at home, but Eric has maybe a case. Um yeah, so this wine is called Superbloom. And because it's and um it's 2018 was wanted, a super bloom year. Every all of our wines we want to evoke a feeling. So this is like picture yourself um in a meadow of um beautiful wildflowers after really good um winter rains in the desert. It's like it's um
4: can you paradise. imagine that
2: Sam? I, I had that experience once at Burning Man. I was going <laughs> to say <laughs>
4: And was it real or was that just
2: a, some sort of dream that you had? Uh, you know, all the years combined and fade into a dream. Um, no, it, it has that because there's it's it's floral, but like wildflower floral. But also there's a it's not a vegetative, but it's kind of the experience mm. of of like cutting flowers you yeah. know it's got a little bit of that kind of of the stem of like not sweet, the petals it's or... almost like sweet green yeah a little stemmy yeah um which makes sense cuz it's the this was a carbonic co ferment with the white grapes in there maybe that's yeah. what it is, like a little bit of the like grenache blancy kind of pick-pooly thing happening i don't know it's definitely um Intriguing, beguiling. Totally, and yeah. for someone who drinks a lot of wine, th- this is a
4: really fun wine for me because I right. like when it, things taste different right. than they normally taste, and this is really intriguing, interesting wine. Tell, why don't you... I mean, you're the winemaker. Tell us about what what you were trying to achieve or what happened with this wine.
0: So um, we had no idea what to expect. Um, um, but Really, I wanted... Um, Um, A textural kind of Nighttime rosé A rosé that you can drink Like Near near the
2: Sunset hour Um And we're not drinking it Super cold right now Right It's you know Just slightly chilled Um Would that be kind of Where you Yeah
0: Yeah I mean it, It depends like It depends on what you Want to get out of it Like um um, I recommend with all wines, you know, experiment with different temperatures because they'll yep. taste different at different temperatures. Um, this and it really depends on the mood. So if you're by the poolside, I would want this ice cold on a nice day like this where it's not too hot. Um, in the parking lot, it's like it's perfect with at like sixty <laughs> degrees, 58,
4: 60. Yeah, and a little medicinal mm-hmm. on the finish. You get that.
2: It's. I mean, it's. Uh,
4: and I'm not talking about a bad way. I'm just no, talking about like, some way to describe rony, the it. Right? The I mean, it has it.
2: some of those, um, but of you know, the Madeira, the Madeira County flavor of Rhones, which mm-hmm. <laughs> who knew? Who knew? Right?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a crazy vineyard. So it's um, so it's organic, and it's on um, the the soils are decomposed granite. Right. So just water just goes right through it. It's um,
2: is it irrigated or dry? It's, it's gotta irrigated. Yeah,
0: yeah, you got to irrigate out there. It's like ninety degrees at eight in the morning. Oh my god!
2: <laughs> so this is some. Have you picked the twenty nineteen yet? Or are we you getting... picked
0: a part of it. So uh-huh. we bring this in as seventeen or eighteen bricks, and basically, um, most of our wines we pick on pH and acid. So, um, um, so this is a zero zero wine. We're not adding any acid or anything to it. So, um, we got to make sure that we pick it early otherwise the there's no acid right so rum varieties don't have a lot of acid to begin with and when they're in a really hot area they, they they'll you'll have really big problems with the ph like this is actually one of our highest ph wines and one of our lowest acid wines um do you remember what it's at so the ph is um 3.8 i believe and the ta is like 4.6 okay so um most of our wines are our reds are above six a TA of above above six, and wow. pH is below three point six.
4: And is that what when you talk about wines with energy? Is is that part of what you're talking about? Is the acidity um, levels?
0: Yeah, part of it's the acidity, but I mean it can go the wrong way. I mean a, a lot of a lot of the way winemakers have made wines the past um, five or so years, kind of in a um, in a conversation going against the um, uh, Robert Parker style high pH, um, super ripe style is they've been picking too early. So we just want our wines to be really sexy. So picked at, picked so they have like this lushness of fruit, but also good acidity in there and good backbone um, to hold it together. Um, this wine I don't f- think tastes flabby at all. Right. Um, so um, I, I really I think it's appropriate the level level of acid in it. And,
2: you know, we don't um, talk to too many people who are in, like, doing the zero-zero on here. So talk a little bit about um, maybe the importance uh, of um, finding that balance and making sure there's enough acidity if you're, you know, going to be lightly handed on the sulfur and, and, you know, not making additions and stuff.
0: Yeah, so that's another thing that's, like, a little bit freaky. If you're making a wine with no sulfur... Um, and it has a high pH, you're at a lot of risk of, um, of things going bad on you. So what we try to do is make sure it gets through fermentation really quickly so that um, there's no sugar left when bacteria inevitably start um, getting to work. Yeah. Um, and uh, luckily, this wine turned out really clean Um I mean, it's pretty turbid. There's uh, the clarity isn't so great, but there's it's um, squeaky clean as far as there's no. Um, um, there's no VA on it. Yeah, no VA, and no mousiness, and all that stuff.
2: It's definitely got some drop some stuff.
0: Yeah, so it's yeah. Um, it was very difficult to get uh, this to clarify because it was it spent its life in a in a stainless steel tank. Um, I was thinking that it might be fun to, like, put it into barrel for a couple of days to help it drop out because barrels are really good at um, getting uh, wines to clarify. But um, we just we just did it the way we did it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Ideally, we'd have, like, a whole bunch of eggs or something to put this in. But
4: Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Is that something you're uh, planning for the future?
0: Well, we do have some some eggs. um but we're using them for uh, Trousseau Gris and Chenin Blanc.
4: Should we try the Chenin Blanc next? Yes. Let's right, which is – is this your first Chenin Blanc? I didn't notice this on your website.
0: Uh, this is not available yet. We just had okay. it. We just um, um, came out with it.
3: I
4: think I spit in my water glass.
3: Oh. <laughs> Re-up. Amateur.
4: So Sam, we're, we're
2: breaking – Do you have a top for this? Uh, I – I think I might have a sparkling top. I'm okay. gonna go. Let me pour a little Chenin Blanc. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll go. You guys can. And let's talk, talk about, about it. labels. Um, you got some of the coolest
4: labels. Thank you. And and are they all done by different people or is this one person coming up with all this stuff?
0: Each label has a different artist, and we have um, our um, we have a graphic designer Duke Aber who also did the um, sweet berry wine label. Okay. Um, he, he ties them all together. And um, really, um, Las Horas is kind of an exercise in minimalism. I, um, the labels have very little information on them. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like the... Um, we think of the artwork as kind of part of the description. So um, it's kind of the feeling that the artwork gives you um, informs you instead of having like a, a paragraph or two of tasting notes on the back,
4: right? <laughs> Which tells you something that you should be tasting even when you're not. Yeah, right. Exactly. No, so, so this one's got like just a just a very simple, almost looks like a Rorschach test of just like a little palm tree with literally probably eight, maybe ten, uh, scratches of a felt pen or something.
0: Yeah. So it's. It's it's so it's a palm tree, but it could look like a, um, a dandelion. It could look like a oh, yeah. firework.
4: Oh yeah. Okay. But
0: it's um to me it's like it's really evokes um um a bright sunny day and um uh, I'm a huge lover of uh of shenan. It's too bad Bart's not here because I heard
4: he makes some shenan. He <laughs> once in a while he will make a shenan. <laughs> He he actually will might pop in on us. He's helping uh, Steve Law over at McLaren. I think he's getting some Viognier. Viognier. Yeah, they're bringing
2: in white grapes. They had them in the press. And uh, yeah. Steve's got a little a little press. So it's a lot of little right. loads. Right. So,
0: um, Chenin Blanc has got to be tricky to make because there's not a lot of great ones out there. Um, what I wanted for this wine is to be very very mineral. Um, with, with really pretty fruit. I did, I didn't want any heaviness and I didn't want any of that linalool aroma. You can sometimes get the wet wool. Yeah. Um, and so I'm really happy with how this turned out. And so Um, how did you achieve that? Just, um, so walking the vineyards, um, I was the first to pick. Um, I picked as soon as the fruit popped up and I picked it like 18 bricks. So it's really early, and um, but I was really afraid of losing um, losing the minerality, losing the acid, and um, I'm I'm really happy um, that uh, it wasn't it was picked right then. If it was picked any earlier, it would have tasted like you were um, just drinking pure acid, like a but, sweet tart. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, and talk about a, a an efficient fermentation 18 bricks it's not like it's you know the the super bloom is 11% and Mm. it like makes sense for what you were talking about but this is it's 13%. It's, it's yeah. well, ripe by most well, metrics, that's just what right? the label says. It's like no. it's like
0: just over 12 and a half, okay. so yeah. Yes. It's like nine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we had to have it high enough alcohol yeah. to be categorized yeah. to, to tax as wine. Right? Right.
0: Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't want like it to go into like three significant figures on, on the back of the label of the alcohol,
3: <laughs> but
4: yeah. Um, well, do you think if Shenan hangs too long, it gets a lot of those, uh, you know, a little more phenolics and you're getting more aromas where you were looking for, for well,
0: acidity. what I was scared of is, is losing the minerality, losing the acid and getting more of that, um, the riper fruit profile, um, roundness. And, um, yeah, so it's just like when, usually when I'm picking, I just, uh, I bring it in as soon as it's, uh, as, as the fruit tastes like it's not green, and when it's when it's got some sex appeal to the fruit, hmm. and so um, the way we made this wine is we uh, fermented it half in um, in a new demi-muid, so 40, um, 40 millimeter staves, six hundred liter barrel, and then the other half was in um, it was in concrete egg two, two
4: eggs,
2: so um, so the the new oak. On the demi we helps you kind of get a little more of that sweetness to it, and kind of that's the well,
0: you don't really get much out of it because it's because um, it's such a big barrel and it doesn't let any oxygen in, right? Of those thick but you stays. get like um, you get a nice uh, textural component from from the oak. It really um, gives you a, a, a roundness um, without it getting oaky, like right, right, right. pretty much like I. I buy new 60-gallon uh, barrels for cab, but that's it. I, right. If I buy new barrels, they're all large format. I'm a huge fan. How long is
2: it in that barrel?
0: It's a year. It's yeah, a year. so uh-huh. so in general, I like to age wines for a year in oak because that way I don't have a bunch of empty barrels open um, for <laughs> yeah. half a year, which is scary. Um, and When you're trying to make wines with um, um, that are clean, but... Uh, Without a lot of additives, it's it's uh, one of the ways you can keep things from going south on you. It's mm-hmm. like having really clean barrels.
2: Keep them full. Huh. Mm-hmm. Bottle in August mm-hmm. and pick in September. Yep. Bottle in July, pick in August. Interesting.
4: I really like this wine.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, this
0: is uh, just bottled. Um, so we're going to release this in January. Or so, um, and um, it'll definitely improve over that time.
2: too. Well, it ta- I mean... It, the the I think the textural element um, and the kind of the way it's takes you to those sharp edges and then they're round. Like I don't know if that makes any sense. No, totally. Um, That's what I'm trying. to like think. It takes you right to the very brink, and then it's like I which, recognize it as Chenin Blanc, wasn't. but for some reason at the,
4: on the finish, it just sort of all of a sudden goes Haha ha. ha like yeah, fooled you. Um, <laughs> like you totally recognize that flavor, but then it's not the same finish that you're. And norm- I mean, again, norm- this
2: really is it. another place where. Who in California is putting Chenin Blanc in new 600 liter barrels uh, this year? Right? Right. I mean, that's, and it, I mean, it totally works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: well, I think, I think oak's very important in certain wines. I think it's important in Chenin, it's important in Chardonnay. Um, So, but it's just really about modulating the, amount of oxygen that gets into the wine, so if you're in a 60-gallon six, barrel, it's going to get a lot of oxygen, and also with those thinner staves, the um, these large barrels with thick staves, they really keep a wine really tight.
2: The first, we're just starting to work with some demiwees uh, for the the. Tet, the Tet Red. Uh, we're doing Grenache with Philippe Combi. Um, and we got some some of those big new barrels for the Grenache. And again, Grenache isn't something that I would typically like new oak on, um, but I think being that big barrel with those thick staves, um, it definitely changes the way that, you know, the flavors of the oak integrates in the wine,
0: right? I, I 100% agree. And also on Zinfandel. So, I really think that my
2: zinfandel cost just went up. Thanks, man. Yeah,
0: totally. (laughs) I really think that um, zinfandel is prone to oxidation, and so is so is um, grenache. So those varieties, I like large formats on because um, it really keeps them um, keeps them from getting too loose on you. I mean, if you want the wines to be loose, that's fine. But if you want them to be really um, bright and nervous, like we do, um, large formats are good for that.
2: Bright and Nervous totally, like, explains in my mind the, the Eric Warheim um, acting uh, <laughs> style also. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. Um. Well, who and who invested in the
4: beginning of this partnership? Are you guys, like, equal so investors in the f- project?
0: We're 50-50 partners. Um, I put in a lot more sweat (laughs) right right no i'm just thinking um, of
4: these barrels and i'm thinking yeah
0: "Eh." so what we did is um um he funded it initially and we've been funding it with um with our production so that's one of the reasons why we started really small is so that we could grow the business without taking on investors and so we did a big um jump in 2018 as far as um our um our volume goes which was painful was out there yeah we we got really really were offered a lot of really great fruit and um and um we also needed to have more wine out there because i left my day job as well so i need to uh um i need need to have have some wine more wine to make (laughs) exactly so um so we grew quite a bit, um, which means that this year and next year um, we'll have more wines available. And, um, but also um, being able to keep the quality standards as high as, as we want to um, is, has been really important. And so we're very happy that every, about everything we've produced. In um, 2019, we're only doing a smaller jump, so we're only going to grow 20%. Um, which
2: will allow us to have some breathing room, but um, well, when we're done yeah. recording, I'm gonna tell you about some Zinfandel that's available. So maybe it'll be 25 percent. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's one of those vintages. You thought that it was gonna be um, a small vintage, but uh, because uh, there's a lot more neutral shoots out there and a lot of one cluster per shoot, right. and uh, but the, the the clusters are massive and the berries are huge, so it's right. like. Um,
2: yeah, our, our uh, crop estimates have gone up a lot since, say, June. You know, when we were dealing with late May rain and that early July- June heat and we thought everything was cooked and there was going to be n- zero grenache, um, it definitely be a lot more than zero. Uh, hmm. And there's enough Roussan for, <laughs> for Brian. Thank you. <laughs> Co-ferment the Zin
0: and
4: the... Uh, and, and the Roussan. And, and
2: a demi Oh, shit. And
4: <laughs> glue, glue it is. Wait, I'm going to have to work a lot more for yeah, that. You are.
2: <laughs> October, November, December. Yeah, it sounds like I'll be bottling. <laughs> you know, it's the little wax caps that we need the help with, man. I hate
4: those things. You know I hate those things. There's no way I'm ever putting them on. I don't know why anyone uses wax.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean... It it makes the bottle look really good, but it is a real pain.
4: I uh, it I <laughs> admit it of, looks cool, but
3: as someone who opens someone wine is. for a
0: living, it's okay.
3: These
2: ones look these ones <laughs> popped off really easy though.
0: Yeah, I, so we changed our wax. Our old wax was like It's like um, you need a chisel to get through it. Um, <laughs> our or actually our cab it was like so impenetrable. you have to go around and score it before you um, um pull, pull it so this is um that was um wax from um from over there in napa it's like i don't think it's even really wax it's like more like a plastic yeah. material yeah. that kind of melts like wax but this is all from um blended waxes in wisconsin and i'm really happy with uh how they work
4: no, and they look like they pull clean. The, yeah. th- that's the problem sometimes when you go and pull the wax, and you, you basically those, have like a. It looks like an, an eruption happened out <laughs> of the ground, you know, yeah. and you're like, "Oh, how am I supposed to pour through that?"
0: Or the French stuff where you have to like tap it with the corkscrew to. Break that's all the, the horrible off. thing.
4: I mean, you make the biggest mess. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's insanity. No, it looks nice on there. Just like I said, the, the, put everything in a screw cap. I'd be the happiest guy ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right Sam, what else you got over there? I right, see I know, something I'm,
2: I'm like I see something that looks um, maybe like a rosé, but go, it's so really it's dark. Next or should we go? Should we go neck, what do you want to do? Let's go
0: that Pinot okay. over there.
2: So we're we're ending with the sweet berry wine. Yeah.
0: I dig That's it. That's our <laughs> biggest wine. So.
2: Is it really it's the highest production wine
4: Well, Bordeaux and also biggest it's, in um, uh,
0: <laughs> It's uh yeah, it is the highest production. Um, but it's uh it's our it's our biggest red wine cuz it's it's um, Big red wine.
2: I don't really want to stop with the Chenin Blanc, but all right, we'll go, move on. This is the point of the show. I know. I'm mm-hmm. enjoying this.
0: So this is, um, Pinot Noir from Oregon.
3: What?
0: Yeah. So if you make wine in California with grapes for Oregon, from Oregon, you lose your AVA. So this is a hundred percent
2: from... Oh, the, you can't say like Willamette Valley or wherever right. it's or from. You,
0: you can't call it the Willameter or... Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a little jab there. Um... Um, so this is 100% from La Belle Promenade Vineyard, which is in Shaheela Mountain. It's part of, it's one of uh, Flinner's vineyards. Um, amazing organic vineyard, super precise farming. it's just, it's just gorgeous. Um, so this um, uh, we, we played around with four tons of this last year. And we're super excited with it. We made two wines. We made this one, and we made a carbonic pinot.
4: Carbonic pinot.
0: Yeah. So this is aged in large format. Um, it's um, a third new. Um, it was a it was a new punchin. And, uh, sorry, it was two new punchins and two used demi mood. So um, It's all big barrel Yeah, aging. all big barrel Which for Pinot, I mean um, I just don't want any of that tertiary character To happen while it's aging in the barrel I don't want it to get that creamy, round uh, Kind of oaky note um, Cola note <clears throat> I want it to stay really um, Really firm and tight um, And so the large formats really allow uh, Me to get that profile I want all Right
4: and and you couldn't find any Pinot around here. What? Why are you going to Oregon? So keep more miles on the Subaru.
0: <laughs> so I used to um, I used to make a lot of Pinot Noir here in California, and I was looking for the right vineyard. I was looking in like um, I was thinking about maybe doing Mendocino Ridge, Appalachian, or something like that, and. Um, um, then I was like, you know what? It's, it's hard for me to find what I want, and the fruit prices are just crazy expensive. I'm like, I'm gonna talk to my buddy up in uh, Oregon and see what they got. So, um, I'm really, really happy. It's like, yeah. so I sent, um, I sent all the bins up. Um, I sent it, sent up quarter ton bins, and, um, they came back, um, a couple days later, the day after picking, um, in in a truck at 40 degrees, and I just uh, processed them at the winery. It was, like, it was just perfect. Um, And the fruit was the cleanest I've ever seen. Like, um, usually, I mean, even if you're in the coldest spots on the Sonoma Coast, you see a lot of, like, um, evidence of sun exposure um, and botrytis. Um, This was, like,
2: absolutely pristine.
4: Yeah. The aromas on it are amazing. They're so intense. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's not. There's none of that cherry cola, Russian River Pinot Noir no. thing happening there.
0: It's got big fruit, but the fruit is like. Um, I mean, it's so focused. Yeah.
2: And it's you know it 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 veers Burgundian, but I mean really it, it's it's Oregon Pinot Noir, no. in its in its sort of purest expression. But yeah. That, you know, it's it's got a little bit of the crunchiness. Um, it's, it's, I would prefer that over most California Pinot Noir for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it's it's hard to make Pinot Noir in California when you're picking at 22 bricks as well. Um, a lot of times, like, the vineyards are not even at that level.
2: Basically... Ex- explain that a little bit, more because I know you're talking, but yeah, we'll so go deeper on what an uneven vineyard... What so, you
0: mean vine- uneven vineyard's very important for us, like... So especially if you're making wines where you're picking on the lower end of the ripeness, you want to make sure it's even. If you have anything that's green in there, it's really going to add tannins that are um, not integrated. Uh, it'll add aromas that um, on on Pinot Noir, it'll add these aromas that are kind of like bay or these... Um, green aromas that just don't really work with a wine that should be fruity and delicious. So, um, um, and also, uh, Pinot Noir loses acid really easily. So if you're not picking at the early, um, on the early end of the ripeness spectrum, you're going to have to add acid and what you're going to, the problem, it's fine. You know, it's, it's fine if you have to add acid, but if you, um, push the ripeness and have to add acid, it's going to make the palate really heavy because um, the the riper it gets, the more buffered it gets. So with that, hap- and when you add acid, you end up having this um, acid in the profile, but this heaviness, this blockiness that adds a saltiness that to me just takes away from the freshness of a wine. Right. So we like them to taste really fresh and vibrant. And, but um, naturally, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but not not that saltiness that right.
4: um,
2: that I really don't like.
3: Huh.
4: Yeah, this is really good.
2: And this I is can... also, this is not released yet. Not released.
0: So this one we're going to release with the Shannon in, in um, January. Uh-huh.
4: And what's the meaning uh, behind the label on this one?
0: So this one is um, a friend of Eric's, uh, Blancamuro. Um, and um, it's... Uh, it's just um, it's
4: it's such a he's, cool scene. He's, a, he's checking out the label. He's like, oh, let me make something up there real, real new quick. It's a wine. They just put the label on. It's, it's water, a naked you know. lady drinking wine with another naked lady waiting to drink wine too. It's or a boy. oh, is it a boy? Yeah. Okay. I think
0: <laughs> I think they're about ready to uh, and, make love. Okay. Um, but they're they're just really enjoying um, a nice. It's like it's like they went hiking in the Alps and they just found a nice little place for a picnic and a glass of wine. Right. It's just like. That's what life is all about. Man, I don't
2: want to sing that now.
4: <laughs> the hills are alive, and so am I.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, oh, this was that's pretty cool, the way like his knees and the hills and um, no blowback from TTV uh, about have, the uh, they label. might have clothes on, man.
0: No, and we actually they have probably, another one. Um, they sort of have clothes on that I thought was gonna get rejected. Um, uh, um, our c- um, collaboration we did with Martha Stewman, the label is pretty pretty racy, and um, actually the artwork on it is called testicles. So okay, um, <laughs>
4: wait, did, did TTV knew that? Um, <laughs> um, no, <laughs> doesn't say uh, that anywhere. Uh, on yeah, it's sure. done by
0: Al- Alpha Channeling. Um, look him up on Instagram. Mm. Uh, he's uh, he's got some um, some. Really cool artwork.
4: Wait, and, and what um, do you know? What wine that's going to go on yet? Oh,
0: it's it's already on it. Yeah. Okay, it's so already, it's labeled. Yeah, so it's a it's a um, pet nap ma- made from Valdegay.
4: And where did you get that from?
0: So it's from Rossetti Vineyard in um, Redwood Valley. We get uh, we get, um, um, Carignan from from Rossetti, um, and I was contracted for. Um, a ton and a half of this Valdigay, and um, the fruit just—I mean—the vines shut down like right after veraison. So I'm like, I don't know if I can make a red wine with this, and right. and it's too small of a volume to press um, to make a white wine with it because um, uh, uh, when you have that small of a volume, it's like underutilizes the press that we have. Yep. So um, I talked to Martha about it. Um, uh, what she was planning to do, and she would she had wanted to make a red wine as well, and then we decided let's collaborate and make a pet nat with it. So we did it uh, four day carbonic on it, and then we uh, pressed it to tank, fermented it, and bottled it while it was raging fermenting. So it was it was um uh, it was it was really crazy. It like fermented so fast, it was like um almost didn't have time to like get in the bottle fast enough
4: well yeah the the only other uh Valdeguier that i'd ever had was from talisman um in glen ellen uh-huh. and they they pretty much specialize in pinots but then for mm. some reason they were getting that fruit from somewhere yeah and i was trying to convince Saundra that it was a rhone varietal because um, <laughs> it was kind of cool i thought it was fun yeah um,
0: um chris brockway has a story about it because he makes a bunch of really good ones um he has a um story about how uh chances robinson collect uh corrected on him on that um that it's not from the south of france it's from or it's from the south of france not from the rhone or something like that
4: yeah so uh, i've seen it i i know that there's some planted there so i was trying to say you know i i know that they grow some there um, maybe it is like the long lost. I,
0: well, you know, I think it was assumed it was originally from the languedoc Roussillon, but it's actually from like more to the east or something. But I have no idea what I'm the talking languedoc about. And, so. and the Rhone.
2: <laughs> well, you know, in mm-hmm. in the Rhone could be out there. They try and hide the red leaves of their Alicante boucher so that you know mm-hmm. <laughs> among the Grenache and oh, those are just some virused vines, right? Right. Yeah. yeah, a little Photoshop going on. Yeah. How did you first get into wine? Um so yeah well, I want to talk more actually um, about so this is on that note yeah. the organic table grapes in in the Central Valley because mm-hmm. that's not uh yeah. I mean especially I don't know how old you are but um probably not a lot of organic table grape farming happening um or at least you know, well, in, the, my, in the near past.
0: My uncles were pioneers in organic table grapes. They started in the 70s. Oh, wow, okay. Way back when. That's, I think they were probably the first. All right. Um, and uh, they had a big company called uh, Pavich Family Farms. And they did uh, uh, they did lots of table grapes and raisins, and uh, they branched out into carrots and um, all sorts of fresh produce, melons.
2: What well, part of the... And-
0: they were um, based in Richgrove, mm-hmm. uh, which is near Delano, which mm-hmm. is in yeah the middle of Cal- uh, the Central Valley, um, and uh, also had vineyards in in uh, the Harrahela Valley and in Yuma, Arizona. Yuma, wow. Arizona. Yeah. Took take the three hundred and ten. So sure you, you take all the last of the water from the Colorado River before it reaches Mexico, <laughs> <Right>. basically. <laughs> um, so um so yeah it's um um it, they were organic before it was cool. So I I used to Yeah, and uh, why and why? Um uh, the story or is how, like right? um, um yeah. actually uh, Steve Pavich who um does consulting in in um for organics in the wine industry as well. Mm-hmm. Um I think he got an exposure or something to pesticide when uh he was younger and are in college and um it really um, uh, made him uh, flip the switch and just say that this is... We need to do this differently. Huh. Um, so, uh, so yeah. Um, so, we, we'd we always grown up as, like, granola heads, you know. Um, and... Um, must be Harvest. Everybody's calling me. Yeah, um, uh, so... Um, I would I was working I did picking one year I did packing one year I did um, QC for a number of years um, but um, I had originally Wait, got, you did what? Like QC Qu- like
4: I yeah. know, but what,
0: what does that mean? Just like um, measuring the berry size and also the bricks level the, the general okay. chemistry on them and, and like also the grading like there are several different grades of table grapes so yeah um, of packing, so like the, the the highest end box would go to like Japan or something like that. Seriously? So yeah, you look and make sure that it's, um, make, make sure it conforms to the standard. Wow. Um, what bricks do you pick table grapes at? It's usually like 18, 19. Okay. And then like, uh, but there's also like the quality level, um, um, um like the, some of the higher end markets like Japan, they'd like them sweeter. So like even into the 20s.
2: I mean will will table grapes can they get as high sugar as as wine grapes? Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Interesting.
1: Hello. Hey, I'm So we got Bart just,
2: Bart just arrived from the crush pad at. Uh, get this, man. I mean, let, let's yeah.
1: let's be straight here. I'm here for the wine. I'm glad you guys have had a good conversation, but I'm here for the wine.
4: Well, we got plenty on the table, Bart. Um, so
1: here's
2: a variety. I don't know if you know uh, Chenin Blanc.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: from Mendocino. They they Mendocino. they grow a little bit up there.
1: They do. Yeah. They do indeed. This yeah. is Tal- this is
2: Talmadge, which is near where your Shannon comes from, also, right? Correct.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What is the so this d- is Norgard Vineyard? Yeah. So um, uh, that's uh, our friend um, um, uh, Taylor Berkeley. Okay. Uh, no, Taylor Bordstrom, Bordstrom makes some from I think that mm-hmm. same vineyard. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's like a
0: really small vineyard that's carved up into like eight different clients. It's like it's uh, I get like three rows or something. Right. Yeah. Hmm.
4: So let's get back to, yeah. so, I mean, your your family's farming table grapes, but then how do you decide that you're going to make this a profession?
0: So um, I, w- I was, um, when I was get- got out of high school, I was kind of taking classes at the JC, playing music in bands, Where cooking Did you, you grow up in
2: California?
4: I grew up in Modesto. Modesto, and what kind of music uh, for the band uh,
0: punk rock yeah <laughs> right. that's another thing uh, Eric and I have in common we both both used to playing punk rock
1: bands okay um, I like punk rock yeah so
4: um, uh, maybe there's some correlation between Shannon Blanc and punk rock that we don't know about
2: it's the punk rock of white grapes <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should work on that one. it is yeah
0: right so we, um, I was, I was cooking in restaurants and I was really interested in, in, uh, being a chef. And so then, um, did that for a while while taking classes at the local JC and stuff. And then, uh moved to Oakland to play punk rock and cook in restaurants and, and go do JC. And then like, um, I, um, took a permaculture class out there, got really interested in maybe going and doing, uh, organic viticulture. And um, I then um, I went to Fresno State to, to, to kind of look at the school and see if I wa- that's where I wanted to go. And there was only two people in the viticulture program. And oh. It seemed like it was like um, very table grape based and, um, and, um, which was interesting because everybody in the viticulture and Onology um, um, school, were um studying winemaking so um so all these winemakers studying viticulture for table grapes which was interesting so but i did meet a lot of the winemakers and um um and um it seemed like these were my people. So, uh, so like, what
1: era were you there? I mean, like, who were the I winemakers st- that you met then?
0: I started in 2000, so um, uh, I was there with Chris Brockway, yep. and Nathan Candler. Yep, yep. I know Nathan. Nathan. And um, and Tegan was there then. Uh, Tegan wasn't there. I'm not. That's right. Uh, is he a Davis guy or I thought? Is, is
2: I don't know. They right. didn't let me near any colleges. Yeah, uh, uh, I know me neither.
0: Michael,
1: I know Nathan Michael and Michael Tegan Rothen, as well. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but anyways, yeah, so um, um, so it was it was a good group. and we were kind of coming up in the era of like uh, of when we were there, it was a, a, utmost um, concern that wines are clean. <laughs> and uh, so it was all about making wines as clean as possible. And also, um, it was when, uh, really ripe wines were very popular. So we were, um, starting to figure out that, you know, pushing the ripeness is maybe not the best thing to do as we all, um, seem to like wines that had like a European sensibility. So, um, um, we were trying to, trying to break that mold and then also trying to figure out what we can get away with as far as, um native fermentation and and things like
1: that because these were things that were very discouraged. (laughs) Wow. Well, I mean, it's that thing. Put it in a box and keep it in the box so it will do what you want it to do, right? Right. I mean, what kind of the school's want yeah, to learn. I mean, and, and season
4: wine with plenty of oak and, um, well, they, but they want you to get jobs too, right? Exactly. They're, they're not like training you to become this rebel outlier or winemaker. They're training you to, to get a job in the wine, in the wine business. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, and from there, then you can sort of extrapolate and go out on your own and do crazy shit. But, but first you've got to get paid. Right. But but Fresno well, was
1: always the more of learning how to make wine, mm-hmm. where Davis was always, I mean, at least when I was coming through, it was known as being more theory and how wine you know, is made, where uh, Fresno was much more hands-on. I mean, that's where you guys, I'm sorry, I said Davis, but I meant Fresno. Mm-hmm. You guys were more, you had a winery, yeah. you were actually hands-on in the cellar. Yeah,
0: totally. We had like a... Um, an actual winery on campus, commercial winery. And we'd get, um, people would donate fruit and uh, so we'd get a out of it. Okay. So they, they would donate we're their your- problem child fruit that uh, didn't sell or whatever. And, and we'd have to try to make a palatable wine out of it, which was pretty interesting. That's,
4: that's actually really cool. And um, I mean, that's training you for uh, future jobs. Exactly.
0: Right <laughs> Um so we're we're drinking. So should the we have glue, just drank this out
2: glue. of
3: the bottle?
0: Yeah.
2: Okay. Gloop gloop gloop. There
0: it is. Uh, so that, um
2: that's that's what
1: No no, I have a story about that. Go if, if you want go. to. Tell your clues. So uh, Tell I, your was, clues, um, I was um I was on a clues? I was on a trip with um uh Independent Stave Company, um, World Cooperage and we were in Missouri and it was 50 winemakers and 50 bourbon makers for seminars. And the first night we were there, they did a pig fry around a fire pit and we were sitting around at the end drinking bourbon out of a bottle and the bottle came to me and I went glug 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 or glue glue glue. And the guy next to me hits me in the shoulder and he says, son, he says, it's never glug glug glug. It's only twice glug glug. And I was like, okay, whatever, you know. And so the next day, we got on the bus to go out to the forest, and he happens to sit down next to me, and I'm hungover, as you can imagine. Because you, you did the third right. glide, and and it it was it was a Jim Beam, a relative of Jim Beams, <laughs> right? I forget his first name, but he was a Beam, and I looked at him and I said, I guess I should have listened to what you said. <laughs> the, he
2: learned that at a young age in that family, I would imagine. <laughs> Only two glugs Only two glues It's not glue 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 It's glue glue, glue. So this is the
0: Quintessential pizza wine The uh, label was designed By Joe Bedia, Or Jojo um, He is uh, Makes some of the best pizza In America And he's based in Philly Also makes a damn good hoagie
4: <laughs> Wait uh, w- uh, How do you know This Philly guy
0: um, So Eric Grew up in Philly Oh Okay and he also likes pizza, okay. so. Um,
4: That's so, yeah. like half
2: of his Instagram account is pizza. Huh.
4: And this is what's the varietal in here?
2: So this is um, a
0: combination of um, yeah. of Carignan, mm-hmm. Zinfandel, Valdigey, a little bit of Cab, a little bit of uh, Charbono. Okay. And so this is mostly carbonic. And um, these are all the, basically the light, lightest lots of the vintage um, to make a wine that's um, goes down easy. And it's it's we also make it in magnums because uh, seven hundred and fifty is just not big enough. <laughs> and do you serve this slightly chilled as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of uh, like I was saying earlier. It really depends on on the room and how you want it. You can have it ice cold all the way up to. Um, a little bit warmer. It just depends on what you want to get out of it.
2: It's good. It actually has more tannin, nice nice tannins. It's got more tannin than I anticipated. Mm. Um, must be a root day or something. It must be a root day. Oh, boy. <laughs> Here
3: we Here go. We go.
0: <laughs> Start it up. You know, I opened a bottle last night, my wife and I, and we like... Drink that sucker in like 20 minutes and it was like it, it tasted like it had no tannin and yeah, so it, it just I think it really depends on the temperature right now it's very textural
1: yeah, yeah I would say it's textural yeah. I mean it, when you say tannin it's kind of like tannin that I would strive for in a nice bottle of red wine I right. mean it's mm-hmm. real fine grain yeah. it's it's very integrated it's nice yeah really nice it's a it's a I can see how you could patio pounder this mm-hmm. you know magnums I, I get it hmm yeah,
2: it wow. would look good in a Magnum. I Should have brought a Magnum. There's only four of us. <laughs> I, I like the
1: clear
4: bottle for it
1: yeah. too.
4: Right, especially with the color on this wine, it's really pretty. Yeah,
0: yeah. The um, the to me the the clear bottle just means don't take it seriously. It's like it's um, something to be enjoyed. Right. Yeah. what is this retail for? Twenty-seven.
4: Okay. And what about the other wines that we've tried today?
0: So our sparkling wine is forty-two, yeah. Super Bloom is twenty-seven, our Rose, our other rosé is twenty-seven. Uh, we don't have pricing on the Pinot yet, but it's probably going to be forty-five. Yeah. The last thing the world needs is another forty-five-dollar Pinot, but
2: well, at uh, least it's uh, a good forty-five-dollar <laughs> Pinot. Yeah. Um,
0: our Shannon, I think, is going to be thirty. Um, Sweetberry wine wines, thirty-five.
4: On, we haven't tried sweet berry wine. We
2: gotta Let's do it. it. Save the best for last, right? Well, this, uh, so it, I think it. we should. maybe I'm gonna pull up a little like sweet berry lo- wine. Okay, perfect. To <laughs> plug into the. So this is the 2018 sweet
0: berry wine. Um, nobody's had it yet. It's not released yet. Um, it's um, it's got very nearly the same uh, varietal percentage as percentages as the uh, glue glue. It's just the wines are um, made in a different style. So we do um, um, 50 to 20% whole cluster. We do some distemmed um, to make a, a wine that's um, a more substantial,
1: um, bigger wine. I mean, that wine smells so good. It's just intoxicating.
0: Yeah, it's... Um, uh, we we practice really reductive winemaking the only time the wine sees oxygen is when you open the bottle wow. um uh and we do that cause I I just love those fresh berry aromas um in wines so we basically make this wine like like um like we make a pinot
1: it's beautiful it's really beautiful I mean it's like warm berry pie mm. um
4: It was it Says thirteen right percent.
0: So this this wine to me really has kind of has a Pinot Noir sensibility, but it's just bigger. Um, it's got a, more of a texture of um, that that Carignan gives you. It's Holy. just.
2: It's sweet berry wine. <laughs> sweet berry wine it's and
4: mouth-fillingly good. Yeah,
0: so it's kind of a risk to put sweet berry wine on the front of a
4: label Huge that's dish. not sweet, unless you have a video with John C. Riley to back it up. Steve. Right. Here. Everyone's got to have one of these bottles, just like. Uh, here we Steve,
2: go. what kind of wine is
0: that you're drinking? I can't see, hun. Sweet berry wine. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Such a great label, too. We'll post all these um, um, labels on the Instagram account.
0: So Uh, this wine, we will... um, It's going to go on sale in October. And um, we try to get people to not drink it for a couple months because it's really going to improve in the bottle. Um, Because this was bottled... This was bottled in the beginning of August. So, um, And we, we don't... We don't um, take the CO two out of our wines, um, so they're bottled with a high level of CO two. Mm. Which, um, right. um, and when when you are drinking the wine, pretty young, it's good to decant it to off gas it, um, and it also because it also makes the, the palate a little bit disjointed. But it's it's starting to starting to integrate soften right. now. But
2: and, and see, that's a that's a scent basically. A way of avoiding using sulfur, right? Is that yeah? Why using so CO2? It's a way to
0: use uh, avoid using as much sulfur, and also it's it really deadens the wine. To uh, so the re, the way people remove um, CO2 from wine, and and it's really common in red wines, um, is you run it through a sparging stone in a circle. Uh, you blast it with nitrogen, and you end up um, making the wine taste really dead and it's just not something i'm interested in doing
1: yeah and then another thing here is is that because you're bottling these wines young mm-hmm. the natural um, bound um, co2 is there yeah and so and we don't do any racking really so right so so if a wine spends a lot of time in barrel and um is racked a couple of times then the co2 is naturally time. but but yeah larger wineries will actually right. remove Um, The CO2, another way to do it is a heat exchanger where you run the wine through and you – a a pipe inside a pipe and you run water, warm water the other way. And by warming the wine up, it helps release the CO2. Mm -hmm. But that's just overworking the wine. And in this case, it just makes the wine so fresh and bright. Yeah. I mean, um, I like like
0: wines to have a lot of CO2 because it keeps them – bright and fresh it also allows you to not have to use as much sulfur and we also use our cork we use diam corks which keep the co2 in pretty well and they don't let any oxygen in which is um very important to me and you're real happy with the our bar- corks yeah i mean as far as like a wine closure i think they're perfect um um, so this,
2: I'm looking at. it It's a composite. Yeah.
0: So it's so but it's natural cork. So for one, there's no TCA at all. Right. So they take they take particles of of cork and they blast it with hypercritical CO2, and this process makes it so there's no TCA. And then they have a binder and these um, the thing that I I um uh. The thing that kind of gives me worry about them is these microspheres which are basically um i think they're pockets of air in like little in a in plastic and that's what gives it the squishiness um, that's inside the cork that holds it together and whether or not i have something that's um, made of plastic but um it's really the Uh, If you cut it open, you can't see it because it's kind of it's in the matrix. Okay. But um, I'm still cutting it open because I have a knife in my pocket. But to me, um, it's it's a great closure because it lets no oxygen in, and um, and that's very important for our types, the type of wine that
1: we make. Right. I mean, that's really interesting because you're thinking about it differently, like you're using it to stylize, help stylize the wine that you're making. Yeah, and like a lot
0: of people actually. Um, yeah, a lot of people that are making wines, um, even in the natural wine scene, they use, uh, Cork, which is, lets a lot more gas come through, which to me.
2: And that's the, the the, corn, the the sugar. Yeah, it's made out
0: of cellulose, yeah. So, um, to me, that's a bit more of a concern, um, because, um, um, my, my, um, my fear is that you would get end up having um, more oxidation in your wine, which I want. I want no oxygen. The only time I want oxygen, um, I use oxygen in the winemaking, is is during fermentation, and then after fermentation, I keep everything um, buttoned up, and I only I use um, I bulldog everything. It never goes through a pump with air. I sparge all lines. I sparge all tanks. Um, and that, that's just something I learned from Pinot Noir winemaking. If you want to make wines that are Pinot Noir that's really fresh and and vibrant, that's that's how you do it.
4: Well, can, can we talk about natural wines, like the the uh, category? As we have to. to. <laughs> okay.
2: Uh, well, I want to ask a question about uh. aging okay. with a cork that isn't as a as a zero oxygen exchange cork. Uh. I mean, do you, are these wines then made? to have cellar life or they're, are you thinking more... I mean, you're bottling fairly young, but, you know... Yeah, these wines are
0: met, uh, meant to age and um, they will age. Like, so so some of the Doms for a cab are, we use a 30-year cork. We use 10-year corks on... Um, on um, the bigger reds, and we use three on the lighter wines. So, See,
1: I, I think you need to talk about that yeah. a little with the diam because yeah. the diam has different the qual. It's not quality of cork. The quality is all the same, but the way they're made has to do with how long the wine's going to age. Yeah, exactly. So um,
0: it's it's basically how long they guarantee it. Um, um, uh, the structure of the cork. So like the thirty all is right. is going to maintain a really good seal for thirty years. Which is amazing.
4: Um, how do they know that? Do they have some little room where they like speed up conditions that that yeah. it's like a, science, I man. I don't know science. Okay. No, <laughs> don't, question. About don't question. Don't question because they haven't been the around door. for thirty years. So I'm just wondering how they how they figure that out. Okay.
3: <laughs>
2: So, Love we'll to come back in thirty years and answer that question, <laughs> right? Or we can have episode from four thousand Dion- of the winemakers podcast. Right. Happy Grenache Day,
4: <laughs> two thousand forty nine. <laughs> so for
0: um, for the natural wine thing, we we make some wines that are would be classified natural wines,
4: um, and some that just that aren't. Um, but what does that mean to you? Because so we've we've talked about this on the podcast, you know, over the last couple of years. As far as there's no real um, classification or or standards or anything when people talk about natural wine, well, we like it, to make fun of Marissa yeah. Ross. We like to, I mean, we like to poke some people. But but at the end of the day, what does it mean to you? Well, it it the
0: definition definition keeps on evolving. So like ten years ago, it was a lot different than now. Like um, and the wines are a lot different. The yeah. natural wines now are a lot different than they were ten years ago as well. Um, to to it seems like um, in the natural wine space, the wine should have um, uh, no sulfur and they no sulfur fr- zero. Well, I mean, people say that you can have sulfur in them, but I mean, it it's uh, um, should be an organic vineyard with little to no sulfur, um, and so if we make wines that we're going to say are our natural wines they're going to be our zero zero wines and those wines have no sulfur and no additives at all and from an organic vineyard our other wines are um i mean we we do add sulfur um and uh, some of our vineyards are not organic so but uh it's one of those things you we need to decide on um what what we want to explore with this brand uh, what, what are the wines we want to make and so one of the things like our, the Chenin Blanc I was looking for a um, Old Vine Chenin Blanc um, vineyard to make wine with and uh, the vineyard I f- found is uh, Norgard Vineyard which is not organic so it's um, right, but everything else about that wine is made um, um, it's made with the only additive is, is uh, sulfur and um, um uh, like our our Noir is actually an organic vineyard it does have sulfur in it i mean some people say you can only add sulfur at bottling which to me is like kind doesn't of make bizarre any sense at all um you know it what is, what are you trying to accomplish if you add it just at bottling i mean if you add it a couple weeks before bottling it seems like a more appropriate place to add it because in um the wine can settle a little bit before you go to bottle, but um, I, I don't I don't make up the rules. So I just
4: make the wines. Yeah, no, but you're one of those people that I think is unique. Yeah. that You're sort of surfing through the different right. categories where you get put into into that category with some of your wines. Right. And uh, so, which is a benefit, and but then also then you right. have to explain yourself.
0: Right. I mean, like, um, so we do very detailed tasting, uh, I mean, um, text sheets on on our website on all the wines, and so people can know, um, know all the details about them. And I think that that's the best way to go about it because, um, um, but uh, I really don't like the term... Um, low intervention, but um, yeah. that's that's kind of the term that we use, because, I mean, the the natural wine movement is a, is a, um, it happened because of, the problems with uh, with the era of big flavor style wines where concentrates added, oak powder, um, enzymes, all that litany of stuff, um,
2: we don't we don't add those. Hey. We often joke on the farming side that we'd like to just call what we do farming and make conventional farming define themselves as as chemical farming, right? Right. So, I mean, in in that same sense, um, you know, when you're not using Mega Purple and those types of products and, and, you know, tons of, of cultured yeast and oak, you know, dust and these things... We should just call this wine and call everything else yeah. chemical wine or something, you know? I mean, that that's... Well, it's like, it's real
0: wine, it's authentic wine. Right. I like the term authentic wine. Um,
3: Shit, we you got know? another term? Right. Well, actually, there's... Yeah, a one, I think, I there's- think,
0: but authentic's not
1: a new term. I
0: mean... No, there's but- a great book uh, by David Darlington, and actually, it's a pretty interesting story, because I used to work for wineries that used um, testing service, where basically you send the wine in, They look at it in a um, spectrophotometer and tell you what you should add to the wine to make it better. So, um, I got a good story. So, uh, there was this one wine. It was a Pinot Noir. And um, the guy that runs this service was, like, so excited. He was giddy. Um, And uh, he'd never seen such a high number for the... um, for the uh, pigmented anthocyanin or whatever they call it, um, complex anthocyanin number. And he's like, look, look at this. This is insane. This is going to score so well. So we tasted this wine. It was basically like, it tasted like syrup. It was like, um, it was like they sonnied like 95% of the wine <laughs> out of it. But uh, um, this, this is the most disgusting wine I've ever tasted. And um, I mean, Pinot Noir is supposed to be sexy, delicious, and drinkable. and uh,
1: Not taste like, and yeah. look like... But this well, is, it's can't. supposed to taste like wine. <laughs> exactly. Wine? It's not supposed to taste like some muted flat grape juice that happens to get you cherry, drunk. Cherry cola. So this winery I worked
0: for, they would, we would uh, add things to, to kind of cheat the numbers and to try to get that higher pigmented anthocyanin number. Huh. And... Um, and it did not make the wines taste better. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it um, you add bags of tannin to wine, it's it's gonna taste like you add
1: bags of tannin yeah, to exactly a wine. Exactly right. <laughs> I mean, I worked at a winery that used to put um, um, oak dust in uh, into the fermenter to bind a color, and was that camus? And and they. And, and and I said to the person I was working with, said, you know, typically color is not a problem if with grapes from this these vineyards. You know, why are we doing this? And it was just a comfort level for that person. Hmm. Um, uh, but it, I could always taste that oak dust in those wines. Yeah, I mean, constant it was there. And maybe it's because I had to add the oak dust to it, and I, so yeah. it was always in my mouth. When you were
4: very um, familiar with the the smell and flavor of it. Yeah, yeah.
1: when you're working with it all the time. Yeah. So I understand what you're saying and um, yeah it, it takes the soul out of the wine and that's the other thing is you try to make a wine that has a soul. Did mm-hmm. they ever get the scores that they were...
2: Oh definitely not you right? know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's that, that should be the end of that conversation <laughs> right? If, <laughs> you know, it, it's not... Obviously yeah, they, were,
0: they, they had a flawed system of how to make the wines perform the way that they wanted to perform And right. they thought that um, you could uh, you could manipulate the the, chemis- the chemistry um, to I mean what's the funny thing is they don't even taste the wines in these in these right. uh, <laughs> things they just run it through an instrument and they have a bunch of grad students who probably don't have a lot of experience running numbers anyway so the numbers like probably aren't very reliable anyways. But um, it's just really flawed mm-hmm. to try to think you can make better wine by, by changing
1: the, the chemistry. Well, and, mm-hmm. you know, another note on that, because I have some experience with this also, is that, you know, if you get your initial numbers on the wines and then they want to reverse engineer it by blending... So at this point, you start putting in wines that have the right numbers from different varieties, and you start blending it in with all of your blends. And then all of a sudden, all of your different blends all Tastes start like to syrup. taste the same thing. Or like This is why there's so Malbec. much
0: Petit Verdot in Napa yeah. Valley wines. Yeah. It, and it really crushes the soul of a Cabernet to me. Yeah. It's, it makes the wine really big and dark and, and heavy. It, it doesn't have that that's uh, i mean if you uh, we make a cabernet it's 100% cabernet and i think cabernet is great um like that but it's
1: people are chasing numbers and it's not even scores that's the scary thing they mm-hmm. they're chasing numbers they don't really understand well Someone they're that they they looking pay for
4: consistency right i mean they're looking for something that's a proven proven number people enjoy this when it's at this
0: you know what? Um, I, I worked in the corporate wine world for a long time, and uh, it's, people, people love these um, KPIs, key performance um, um, indicators. I forgot already. Yeah, key performance indicators. So you have a number, and you're striving for a higher number. That's, that's easy.
4: <laughs> I like soul wine. Soul like th- wine. That new
2: term. All right. Soul wine. Soul wine. Wines made with a soul. I, I mean, to me, and, you know, I, with, uh, come from a, the, the farming perspective, the only way to make a wine perform better, on, and because, you know, we have winemakers that run all those same numbers, and the only way to make it perform better on any numbers is to farm better. If you farm better, and it doesn't matter if you pick early, you pick late... When, when the farming is on point, you get a wine that can hit your KPI, but also retains your soul, retains the, the vineyard. And if you don't, once you start doing those things, adding things or blending, a, you know, Petit Verdot into everything or Petit Syrah or whatever, you're in every step of the way, you get further away from the way the wine tasted like if it was from the vineyard.
1: Well, yeah. And, you know, and those wineries that use those numbers, I mean, I guess the thing is that's an advantage to them is if they're running those numbers and they see the positive numbers coming out of the vineyard as juice samples and early fermentation samples, then they can try to nurse those along or or, you know, um, right. and, and retain those numbers. It's when you go backwards and you say, well, we didn't get it. What do we use How to we make it? How do we get there? That I think it's loss, Um and, and then just the added amount that you're, you know, how much money is spent and how much time is spent with it is, doesn't seem sustainable.
4: Well, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to say that I'm kind of guilty of this because I don't know, Bart, if you read the email that I sent you yesterday. So Bart's, you know, I'm making a Roussan this year and Bart said, you know, do you know what you want to do with it? And I said, no, but I I have some thoughts about it. And so I started looking up like w- wines that I really love and not, not just Roussan but white wines that I really love and what people do. So it's kind of like reading a recipe and going, okay, well if I'm using a slightly different ingredients, how can I still kind of follow the recipe of what they're doing that, you know, is tried and true. That's going to come up with the end product or Is the way to do it. Oh, look at this fruit. It's this is the way the fruit is this year. Let's let the fruit sort of dictate the journey that we're taking on the process.
2: I mean the, and I think your background in going into culinary first, uh, informs this in my mind. uh, A great chef goes into a garden, sees their, you know, available fresh proteins or whatever, and creates the menu. From what's available, right. as opposed to saying this is the recipe, let's go find from wherever purveyor I can get these ingredients to get to what I want to make. As opposed to you know let let the garden inform your you know, your, right. you know shape that those flavors.
0: Right, and that's that's essentially what we do. I mean, I think the winemaker's job is to make the best wine from a, from a vineyard or from a block. And it's up to the winemaker to um, um, understand um, understand what they're working with in order to make um, the, best, the best wine they can. So um, we have wines that um, are made from single vineyards, and uh, the goal on those is to make them um, better and better every year and um, to learn from the site. And then we have blended wines that are made from a number of different vineyards, which may change and have, um, have evolved, uh, but the, the idea on those wines is to have um, wines that have a real personality to them, like Sweetberry Wine is like one of those wines where... It's got personality. Yeah, definitely yeah. personality. And <laughs> it has, I mean, even though a lot of the blend has changed over the past couple of years, it's still got a lot of continuity to it.
2: I would say that these wines in general have captured a sense of personality. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, the yeah, Pinot, like, the Pinot for me definitely stands out.
4: I love right. the aromatics on that, and the Chenin Blanc for me, flavor wise, I could just drink yeah. that all day. Get on that.
2: Get on those. Those are unreleased. So if you're listening, get on the list so that come January. Yeah, well, let's get some contact info yeah, out there for we, you. Yeah, how do we how do we find these?
0: So um, Joel at Lasharaswines.com If you want to um, shoot me an email, it's L A S J A R A S. And um, our website is losharriswines.com, and also we're on the
2: Grams. Um, it's Instagram for those scoring at home. Oh. <laughs> I, I'm not, it to, wasn't a drug reference, Brian. <laughs> no,
4: I'm just trying to keep up. Last night, I heard a couple of the assistants we, we call what we call we used to call bussers. Now they call them server assistants, and they kept saying. Um, I heard them saying on moms, and I'm like on moms. What the fuck are you guys talking about? And they're like. Well, you know when you used to say something and someone would say, "Do you swear that on your mother's grave?" I'm like, "Yeah," and they say, "Well, that's just a shortened up version." We just go like, <laughs> just "On moms," the the DM version of, <laughs> <laughs> "On moms." <laughs> oh my god,
2: 140 characters. And you guys you have a long list, of,
4: yeah. Every every day, yeah, more and more. Um, on your website, you actually have a list too of all the um, local purveyors that are carrying yeah, your wine. Yeah, so uh, we
0: are we update it monthly to try to make sure people know where
4: to go. Miracle Plum is not on there, by the way. Ooh, okay. Right, for Northern California, so I Thank think that's important. I want to get a shout-out yeah. to Miracle Plum. But maybe it's um, maybe it's a good thing because then we got to say their name. Right.
0: Um, <laughs> here in Sonoma, we're at Jack's filling station. That place is amazing. No way, yeah. I saw you at yeah.
1: Jack's filling station.
0: So I really recommend people to get their cars filled up there, too. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you gotta keep a, a a jewel like that in business. Great wine, and, and for uh,
2: those again, uh, the background on that Jack's filling station is the people who used to be Fremont Diner now Boxcar Kitchen, um, uh, and they were going okay. to put a really cool restaurant in there, but then they realized that it's in the city of Sonoma. And we don't and allow cool things to happen. in a so, long process. <laughs> so they went, oh, it's a gas station. Maybe we'll just keep it a gas station. Right. But, but we'll also make it sell, cool. sell cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> a funny
0: story. The, the guy that works there said that, um, so, so the, you know they have that strip where you drive across it and it makes a ding-ding sound? Right. So um, some, some um, journalists that. who didn't do their homework said that it's a full-service station because of that. So right. now they're having to do full service. Now they're out there washing windshields. <laughs> and, and, uh, and there's no I'm upcharge in. for it. So so you should go there. Remember Get your the, full service gas. gas, And while you're in there, while, while you're, somebody's pumping your gas, you can go in and thumb through the records and buy a bottle of glue glue. There you go. <laughs>
2: Get your windshield washed right. at the same time. Well, I mean, bar- uh, my windshield is
4: so dirty. <laughs> bar, you just poured something interesting. i string. I'm assuming this is from...
1: So, um, uh, Steve Law from McLaren, uh, who's uh, now hosting me for my winemaking. Um, hosting,
2: does that mean he's not charging you? No,
1: oh, okay. no, 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 no. Um, Ooh. So, this is some uh, Sauvignon Blanc juice that was picked this morning, Dry Creek Valley. Um the acid on it is pretty amazing. This was about uh, a third of the way through the press cycle. I just thought I'd bring it to um, cleanse your palates. Kind you know, of fun it's to great. And some I juice. love where it
4: on the finish. It like almost like a. It's like a horn that comes out of your mouth, like going for man. That's amazing. That's a very unique. Um, Ooh,
3: it's
4: delish. Mm-hmm.
1: As as delicious grape juice gets, you yeah. know. It all
2: kind my, of tastes like apple my juice, My first it? raw mm. grape juice of the right. year. Right. And um, I
1: don't love it because yeah. like, <laughs> it tastes way better once it's fermented. Right. Yeah. Is it Pippin? <laughs> yeah. Is it Pippin apple juice? Is it right. Gravenstein apple juice?
4: I remember we used to go up and taste that Benziger out of the tank, and they'd say, I know it tastes good, but don't drink too much.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nothing you? like drinking too much wine grape juice. It's not like picking up a bottle of Welch's at the, you know, at the supermarket. This will... Yeah. Because it's got a ton of acid. It's got a bunch of... Sh- way more sugar than... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Don't drink. Well, it. Is that what, is that I don't what know, you know if you noticed everybody, doing? but Brian spit it out. Right. <laughs> oh, I think Brian, it's delicious. Right. It's
4: <laughs> Yeah, and is that is that what you guys were doing this morning? Was it Sauvignon Blanc? I thought it was Viognier that had come. No, out.
1: Sauvignon Blanc. Viognier is still a couple of weeks out. Okay, so you got some Sauvignon Blanc from Dry Creek today, and then tomorrow some Pinot from Bennett Valley.
4: And it's on. Like driving home last night, oh, it's um, yeah, I, the lights are on out in the in the vineyards.
1: Yeah, yeah. The um, from my house, you know, we look down at Durell and uh, durell has been lit up because they've been picking there yeah. overnight. Yeah, always looks like ships landing,
4: (laughs) especially after uh, some sort of
1: like UFO right visit. (laughs) Especially at the end of the evening, right?
4: (laughs) All right. Well, we just want to thank you for coming on the show today. That was awesome. I love how this whole thing happened sort of organically. how uh, I just
0: heard you on the podcast. We were just talking about me. happened
4: I, to pull the the bottle from Miracle Plum. happened mm-hmm.
1: to come on and talk
4: about it, and then happened it's to uh, didn't 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 talk too
1: much. Thing, you know? <laughs> do, do, do you know that Blair Gottfried reached out also? Oh, great! Yeah, I I, um,
0: I had I was listening to one podcast, and I I let him know that uh, they were talking about his uh, Petite Sirah. Yeah, there. And he, he, he was, said you should be on there. Yeah, said, yeah he was
1: threatening to stop by and. Um, try to hog an hour or so <laughs> of the podcast today, but maybe it was, well, we did a pretty good job of wine. that.
2: Should probably go and see if what, how my guests in the tasting room are doing. Cause uh, Paul just left Jasmine's right. in there by herself. Well, we got a large. group you and group, I are here,
4: large group coming in and, um, and, and also some people that were in the restaurant last night just pulled up. I was trying to get them here earlier, but I'm um, hoping to do a quick little tasting with them. She's a ballerina from San Francisco and he recently sold his company to Microsoft. Well, yeah, let's sell
0: them
2: some big of water. <laughs> <laughs>
4: so. Do you have my card, too? Yes, yeah, I'm exactly. thinking we <laughs> might do some business here. <laughs> so, hopefully, they will find a parking space.
2: All right, well, this has been the Winemakers. Um, oh, shout out, uh, congratulations to Jasmine. Oh, newly, shit, right. Newly engaged Jasmine in the Tasting New Year. Got it's engaged last night, so she's wearing a rock on her uh, finger.
1: On her way to France. She's never coming back. She is never coming back. So we're. uh, Send
2: applications to (laughs) Sam at winery16600.com. Oh my God. All right. Well, thank you so much for bringing the
4: wines. We appreciate it. I'm hoping you're going to leave some of these with us because I would like to take some home tonight. I am not working. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And Bart, are you heading back to. I am. Okay.
1: Yeah, I'm going to clean the press. Are you kidding me?
4: Okay, cool. First press
1: of the year. It's on.
4: (laughs) It's on like Donkey Kong. (laughs) All right. This has been the winemakers. We'll look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks, guys.